So, this is the self-development with tactics. Book. So, today we're gonna talk about cholesterol, apparently. <laughs> and I do first of all want to say that I'm not a doctor, I'm not even just really educated when it comes to cholesterol, really I'm not. Um, I just only know that there is a debate about it, whether it is just, um, you know, good, some people say, whether it is bad, some other people say, and, and all that shit. But, 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 I found a relatively interesting article, I don't know why I haven't been stumbling over it before. Um, on the netaliason.com site, this, the, the link to this article is as always going to be down in the description. Um, it basically is actually a summary, apparently, of something, um, but we're going to see. And so I'm going to start reading, actually. The Straight Dope on Cholesterol by Peter Atia. Uh, it is rated 8 out of 10, so it is fairly high rated. High-level thoughts. Peter Atia's multi-part series on what you should know about cholesterol may as well be a short book, so I took notes on it as if it were one. Enjoy. The more I know, you know, and so I'm gonna go straight into the summary. I do try that I'm gonna um, just highlight those parts that I find particularly interesting, and these are gonna then be uh, also linked down in the description. There is just uh, a multitude of different notes that I'm having of different uh, articles and book summaries and and whatnot. So check it out. Maybe you're able to find something, and it is kind of cool if you're able to find something. So yeah, let's see. Um, cholesterol as steroid alcohol can be free or unsterified UC as we say which stands for un, uh, unesterified cholesterol which is its active form or it can exist in its esterified or storage form which we call a cholesterol ester which is CE. The diagram above shows a free for example UC molecule of cholesterol and esterified uh, no, esterified variant, i.e. CE, would have an unattached, uh, would have an attachment where the arrow is pointing to the hydroxyl group or hydroxyl group on carbon hashtag 3 or carbon 3, aptly named the esterification site. So yeah, this is highly chemical. It is actually something that I've learned in school, uh, not in terms of cholesterol, but in terms of alcohol. It is kind of interesting or it can be interesting. You know, it obviously depends on your interest in these subjects, um, but yeah. Cholesterol can only be produced by organisms in the animal kingdom. It is termed a zoosterol. Pretty interesting. And now it's finally something that I can understand, I guess. <laughs> what about 25% of your daily income, uh, income or intake of cholesterol? Roughly 300 to 500 milligrams comes from what we eat called exogenous cholesterol, and the remaining 75% of our intake of cholesterol, roughly 800 to 1,200 milligram, is made by our body, called endogenous production. The more I know. Cholesterol is required by all cell membranes and to produce steroid hormones and bile acids. Every cell in the body can produce cholesterol, can, you know. If this made or what of this made or synthesized cholesterol our liver synthesizes about 20% of it and the remaining 80% is synthesized by other cells in our bodies the body works very hard and very smart to ensure cellular cholesterol levels are within a pretty narrow band excess cellular cellular cholesterol will crystallize and cause cellular apoptosis which might be the reason why having too much cholesterol is not a good thing, because if your body is naturally producing it anyway, but you're adding something to it, 
then the chance of you overdoing it is way higher, if I understand this correctly, or if there is a correlation between the intake and um, what you're producing yourself. Plasma cholesterol levels, which is what clinicals measure with standard cholesterol tests, often have little to do with cellular cholesterol, especially artery, artery cholesterol, which is what we really care about. I see. Much more than 50% of the cholesterol we ingest from food is esterified, CE. Hence, we don't actually absorb much, if any, exogenous cholesterol, i.e. cholesterol in foods. Which I don't know. Like As I said, I'm not a doctor. I'm not particularly educated at just anything when it comes to cholesterol. So, so I don't know. It could be completely the truth what he's talking about. But it could also be just really a bunch of shit. Just saying. One of the biggest misconceptions out there, maybe second only to the idea that eating fat makes you fat, is that cholesterol is bad. This could not be further from the truth. Cholesterol is very good. In fact, there are fortunately rare genetic disorders in which people cannot probably synthesize cholesterol. Once such disease is Smith, what once such dismi- uh, disease is Smith Lemley Optis syndrome, also called SLOS or 7 dehydrocholesterol reductase deficiency, which is a metabolic and congenital disorder leading to a number of problems, including autism, mental retardation, lack of muscle, and many others. I see. Cholesterol is one of the main building blocks used to make cell membranes, in particular, the ever-important lipid B-layer of the cell membrane. Should I actually kind of... I'm actually gonna... Highlight this one. Beyond cholesterol, cholesterol's role in allowing cells to even exist, it also serves an important role in the synthesis of vitamins and steroid hormones, including sex hormones and bile acids. Reabsorption of the cholesterol we synthesize in our body is the dominant source of the cholesterol in our body. That is, most of the cholesterol in our body was made by our body. So the question that I'm now having is, how can it then be the case that our cholesterols are too high? What about that? A molecular, uh, I'm sorry, a molecule is said to be hydrophobic, also called non-polar, if it, is, if it repels water, with, uh, while a molecule is said to be hydrophilic, also called polar, if it attracts water. And this is also the exact same thing that happens when you think about um, some washing thing for your plates in the kitchen. I don't know what it's actually called in English. But um, the main thing they are having in there are, I think they're called tensites. I'm not quite sure. But the thing is, they do not attract water. They just, uh, or they just, no, it's about fat. They don't attract fat, but they just repel fat. And so it just, it pushes it away from the surfaces, as far as I remember. I'm not quite sure. Uh, Think of your veins, arteries, and capillaries as the waterways or rivers of your body. Yes, and if they are just, if there is something stuck in them, it's not good. I think, <laughs> as you probably would have also thought about. If a molecule is hydrophilic, it can be transported in our bloodstream without any assistance, sort of like swimming freely in the river because it is not repelled by water. Conversely, if a molecule is hydrophobic, it must have a transporter to move about the river because, to move about the river because the plasma water wants to repel it. Yes, would make sense. 
Sugar and salt will easily dissolve in water, they are therefore hydrophilic. Oil does not dissolve in water, it is therefore hydrophobic. By extension, a molecule of glucose, sugar, or sodium and chloride ions, which is in salt, because of their chemical properties, which I won't detail here, will travel through plasma without assistance, a lipid will not. Interesting. Cholesterol doesn't exist in our bloodstream without something to carry it from point A to point B. The proteins that traffic collections of lipids are called apoproteins. Once bound to lipids, they are called apolipoproteins and the protein-wrapped vehicle that transports the lipids are called lipoproteins. Apoprotein A1, I guess, or AL, abbreviated, abbreviated ApoA1, which is composed of alpha helices from lipoproteins, which are higher in density. The A-class designation stems from the fact that ApoS or AS migrate with alpha proteins in an uh, electrophoretic field. Conversely, Apoprotein B, abbreviative ApoB, which is predominantly composed of beta-plated or plated sheets from lipoproteins, which are lower in density. The B-class designation stems from the fact that ApoBs migrate with beta proteins in an electrophoretic field. Very uh, interesting, but I don't understand anything about it. Virtually all ApoB in our body is found on low-density lipoprotein LDL, while most ApoA1 in our body is found on high-density lipoprotein HDL. And I do remember that there is something about HDL being, I think, the good one and some other one being the bad one, but I don't really know. But I'm going to highlight this. It is in the LDL particle that it is the ultimate delivery vehicle of cholesterol back to liver in a process now called indirect reverse cholesterol transport. However, under certain circumstances, the LDL will penetrate and deliver its cholesterol loads to the artery walls. This is exactly what we don't want to happen. I see. Yeah, because, you know, I don't want to have fucking cholesterol in my fucking uh, veins or veins. The final important point I want to make about cholesterol transport is that it goes both ways. Lipoprotein particles carry triglycerides and cholesterol from the gut and liver to the periphery, muscle and adio, uh, adipocytes, fat cells for energy, cellular man, man, what, maintenance and other functions like steroid creation. Historically, this process of returning cholesterol to the liver was thought to be performed only by HDLs and has been determined or termed reverse cholesterol transport or RCT. I hope I'm not too fast, by the way, and I hope that, that, that I really, uh, I really hope that I'm reading it well enough. I know, let's put it like this, but I've seen it yesterday and today as well that reading isn't that easy for me. I don't know why. I don't know where it is coming from. But, but anyway, this RCT concept is outdated as we know now. LDLs actually perform the majority of RCT, while the, ADL, uh, the HDL particle is a crucial part of the immensely complex RCT pathway. A non-so-well-known fact is that ApoB lipoproteins, for example LDLs and the brothers, uh, brethren, carry most of the cholesterol back to the liver. In other words, the bad lipoprotein LDL does more of the cleaning up. For example, taking cholesterol back to the liver, then the good lipoprotein, which is the HDL. Apparently. The problem, as well discusses, 
But the problem, as we'll discuss subsequently, is that LDLs actually do the bad stuff too. They dump cholesterol into artery walls. What becomes critical to understand for our subsequent discussion is that the ApoB particles have the potential to deliver cholesterol into an artery wall. The problem we are trying to avoid and 90 to 95% of the ApoB particles are LDL particles. Is it actually particle particles? Yes. Hence, it is LDL particle number, uh, LDLP or ApoB, that drives the particles into the artery wall. Thus, physicians need to, to be also, uh, need to be able to quantify the number of LDL particles present in a given individual. For decades, there was no way of doing that. Then LDLC read-on became available and it served as a way, not entirely accurate, but nonetheless a way of quantitating LDL particles. LPA, I gotta have to actually highlight this one. LPA is an LDL-like particle, but with a special apoprotein attached to it, aptly called apoprotein A, which is actually attached to the ApoB molecule of a standard LDL particle. Think of LPA as a spe special kind of LDL particle as well. Um, as well, learn later in the series, LPA particles are bad dudes when it comes to atherosclerosis, which is something that doesn't sound good. And I've, I've heard it before, but I don't know at this point of time what it actually is. Therefore, LDLC can be estimated knowing just uh, TC, HDLC, and TG, assuming LDLC matters. Hint, it doesn't matter much in many folks. Unfortunately, especially in an insulin-resistant population, i.e. the United States, both TG content within lipoproteins and the exchange of TG for cholesterol esters between particles is very common and using this formula can significantly underestimate LDLC. Worse yet, LDLC becomes less meaningful in predicting risk as I will address next week. Next week, huh? <laughs> uh, I know I now use the HDL Inc now circa 2017, true health diagnostics test exclusively for reasons I will explain later. The number and size of the lipoprotein particles is perhaps the earliest warning sign for insulin resistance. If you were only allowed to know one metric to understand your risk of heart disease, it would be the number of ApoB particles, 90 to 95% of which are LTDs, in your plasma. So I assume that if you're having a lot of these particles, then it is not good. In in practicality, there are two ways to do this. Directly measure, i.e. not estimate, the concentration of ApoB in your plasma. Several technologies and companies offer such an assay, or assay, however. Recall, uh, there is one ApoB molecule per particle. Directly measure the number of LDD particles in your plasma using NMR technology. If this number is high, you are at risk of atherolic uh, atherosclerosis, everything else is secondary. I see. What's going on there once again? Does having lots of ADL, HDL particles help? Probably, especially if they are functional and carrying out reverse cholesterol transport, but it is not clear if it matters when LDL particles count is low. In fact, while many drugs are known to increase the cholesterol content of HDL particles, i.e. HDLC, not one to date has ever shown a benefit from doing so. <laughs> I see. Does having normal serum triglyceride levels matter? Probably, with normal being defined as 70 to 100 milligrams per deciliter. I think it is. 
though, or yes, though it is not entirely clear, this is an independent predictor of low risk. Thus, having a low level of LDLC matter, not if LDLP or APOB are high or better set, not when the two markers are discordant. Uh, Atherosclerosis, the accumulation of sterols and inflammatory cells within an artery wall, which may or may not narrow the lumen of the artery. Now I know what it is. Uh, Statistically speaking, this condition, atherosclerosis, yes, I've, yeah, anyway, induced ischemia or infarction is the most common one that will result in the loss of your life. For most of us, atherosclerosis most commonly within coronary arteries but also carotids or cerebral arteries is the leading cause of death even ahead of all forms of cancer combined hence it's worth really understanding this problem yes and i'm gonna go ahead with the other half the next time so thank you very much for listening thank you very much for watching if you've been watching and I wish you the best health, of happiness, and also success. And also hope that you're going to remind yourself and you're going to be remembered. Which basically means your legacy and basically means just being a nice person. And then also being remembered as a nice person, which is a pretty cool thing. And yeah. Um, three other questions that I'm having for you are, why are you here? What are you trying to change? And what is bothering you the most? These three questions are hopefully going to show you your purpose and maybe even a business idea, which is a pretty cool thing. Um, on the other hand, I'm having another question for you, which is, what could you particularly say, but also do and 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 whatnot? But what could you particularly say that is gonna change somebody's life? Because I totally believe that we all can say something, something amazing to somebody else that is really gonna make their day and their life just better. And yeah, with that being said, I hope we're gonna see you the next time. Thank you very much from the bottom of my heart, and please stay cool. And then yeah, I'll see you maybe, hopefully. <laughs>